Welcome back. It's time to talk about a race weekend that had races all over the world and lots of them. I'm Jason, a.k.a. Captain Novice, saying hello from a hotel room in Wisconsin with my man, Bo. Bo, what's going on? Hey, not much, Jason. Uh, Just to be clear, I am not in the hotel room with you. Um, We didn't want that to be misleading to our listeners at all, but uh, good job, Bo. Hey, just Wait to, <laughs> nanny cam it. Wait a nanny cam it, Bo. Atta boy. That's also, that's nanny cam. That's Bo. Bo's also nanny cam, so everybody knows that. Well, Bo, this weekend we had a ton of racing, and um, I think first and foremost we should just go ahead and admit it to everybody that Kayla Yakov is the hero America needs in motorcycle racing. What do you think? Uh, no, I agree. I think we've been touting it for a little bit. You know, we mentioned it here, here and there. Um, it really kind of, I was a little, little concerned when she had uh, gone to the Twins Cup, you know, but then we see that, you know, she went over to the uh, the European R7 Cup and, and did very well there. And then now in her second, uh, or her second weekend on the 636, um, I mean, she puts it on the box. So I, obviously there's a ton of talent there. And I really, I, I mean, I told you point blank, you know, I want to see Kaylee Yakov make the little leap to Moto2. Yeah, I would love to see her get the same shot that some of the other uh, international uh, women riders have gotten. Because I think, you know, she's doing her thing. Um, but having said that, I'm really, I'm down on Tyler Scott at this moment. I I feel like Tyler Scott is a young kid. He's got his second year I don't feel like we saw a ton of progress from him. Um, we saw some flashes. He's he's still really young, but it's hard for me not to compare him to Pedro. It's really hard. They're the same age, and and Pedro's just on another level. And um, Tyler Scott doesn't win a lot of races in America, so that does not bode well internationally. Plenty of time to learn, but. I'm just not that high on him after this weekend. I was just like, well, yeah, I guess it's Kaylee Yakov or bust. Right, right. <laughs> um, especially since Chavi Flores, you know, he didn't even care. He didn't even try this weekend in the rain in New Jersey. <laughs> he was like, man, I'm hurt. I hurt myself at the ball d'or, you know, yeah, with that. But we got a 48 year old winning and a. 18-year-old female podiuming in our super sport class. So, Kayla Yakov, you're the hero we need. I'm behind you. Let's do it. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) You echo that sentiment? Yep, 100%, man. I I really believe that. Yeah, I I do too. Well, the other thing I saw this weekend, you know, it was was the last weekend for Moto America. Both the championships have been decided. Um, Number one, Chavi didn't get on a super bike, which was weird to me. And number two... um, J.D. Beach won this race, too, which is really cool. Congratulations to J.D. Beach. You know, why he's not in the Superbike paddock is a travesty. And maybe what's wrong with American motorcycle racing. Maybe that's it. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I He's mean, obviously talented. He's at least as good as Cam Peterson, in my opinion. At yeah, least as good. I mean, J.D. Beach, uh, I miss J.D. Beach in the Moto America paddock, personally. I mean, he's, he's a kind of a... You know, he's a tough racer. He's a clean racer, um, but uh, and a ton of talent there, um, and just a good guy. You know, he's kind of one of those guys that you know make that feel good story almost. You know, whenever you uh, see him on the bike and and see how going out and doing his thing. 
Yeah, so absolutely. I, you know. I I was a little disappointed in the year overall. I really thought Cam would be more competitive, and it, when he was not crashing and not getting run over, um, he he did pretty well. Uh, hopefully, next year will be better and more competitive. I think if Heron stays on that warhorse Ducati, he'll be a little more competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if Heron left the series, also uh, okay. <laughs> not going to complain. Um, you know, but I, I just want somebody to compete with Gagne. I, I think Gagne's a, a really, really good rider. I I just know that on the world level, he's not there. And it's sad that, you know, he's running away with so many races by such large margins. But that's my own, you know, axe to grind. I That's the way I want it. I, I just yearn for the early 90s, late 80s days of when, if you were winning races in the U.S., you would win races anywhere. You know what I mean? I, that's yeah. that's what I yearn for. But right. those times have passed. It's not that way anymore. Um, but uh, that's what I got to say about Moto America. You got anything in closing about Moto America, Bo? No, no, I don't. Wow, Bo. <laughs> Your enthusiasm for Moto America is yeah, showing. Well, okay, through. all right. Let's. So you open up the can worm. So let's do it. Um, Boom! That's what I wanted. Well, <laughs> let's do it. And so I, I was talking to one of our um, our faithfuls. Um, and we have thousands of them now, though. We yeah, have thousands so of the well, I was well, I was talking to one of our faithfuls who actually listens to it, and not just clicks on our our uh, Instagram follow feed. But um, you know, and he actually made the comment. He said, "Hey, you know, how about a little less hate on Moto America?" And I, you know, I paused at the comment a little bit, and I was like, "You know," or no, excuse me, I'm sorry. His comment was, "How about you know, be a little bit more constructive in the criticism." Um, for Moto America, <laughs> um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna meet him in the middle, you know, with this, um, it, you know, I, I could see his point a little bit, and and you know that's right, and and instead of just a bash, um, I, I think that some of the frustration that lies that, that I've got at least is, you know, there are there are perfect models that Moto, that Moto America could um, not necessarily copy, but take very big cues from. And I also saw a Road Racing World article that was kind of a fluff piece for Moto America and talked about Moto America taking its, um, you know, its video coverage and its whatever coverage um, up a notch or being, you know, that it was amazing uh, and it was so great and they had experienced so much growth (coughs) and that their YouTube channel had um, had like grown exponentially over the last uh, couple years. And so the person, and, and, I, and I'm a cynical individual, and it sucks sometimes, and it, you know, I'm, I sometimes don't always see the glass half full, but when I think about that comment, I, I start to question and say, well, did their YouTube channel get bigger because people don't want to pay to, to watch the races because the coverage isn't, you know, ideal? And, and I mean, you have to, I mean, we, you have to be honest. If you watch motorcycle racing and you you stack World Superbike coverage against Moto America coverage against Moto GP coverage, um, because in America, honestly, those are going to be the three that you follow the most, right? Um, I don't see a lot of Americans uh, on the on a, on a grand scale really paying attention to the European R7 Cup and wanting to see videos for that or British Superbike, you know, um, but. If that's going to be the the frame of reference is those three series, you know, Moto America, World Superbike, and MotoGP for the average American who really wants to watch motorcycle racing. I, I'm sorry, the the app is unintuitive. 
uh, for Moto America. The video coverage is uh, sometimes it's really not. I I, I don't want to use it. A terribly negative term because I don't want to, you know, rub people the wrong way that have said to make my uh, feedback a little bit more constructive. But the the, the actual coverage itself is not great. Um, so, you know, what kind of techniques could be out there? And and I'm sure that they're working on more of a shoestring budget than some of the other big organizations like Erda and Dorna. You know, those folks. I think is it Dorna? I think that does the uh, does the entertainment package for MotoGP. Um, and possibly World Superbike too, but um, it, you know there are there's a there's a great model that Moto America can really follow there, and I think I really want Moto America to take those cues, and and I don't think it's going to take a ton of money and a ton of investment to actually just improve the product a little bit better. Um, so uh, you know, it, it's the truth that I don't get super excited about Moto America weekends. I really well, don't, let, you know, let's be I, honest though. The racing, the racing in Moto America, especially in the Superbike class, has been for second place for three years, and before right. that for five yeah, years yeah. behind Cam Bobier. Right? Like that's the truth. It's it's what it is. Um, and I I see your points there. But I I thought about this on the way up here. Believe it or not, I was actually thinking about Moto America, and I do know that sometimes we do bash Moto America, but. And I'm going to give it to you from my perspective as a guy who puts on events for a living, a guy who does the logistics, a guy who Mm -hmm. has hundreds, if not thousands of people every year doing what he does. The presentation that you give, the presentation that people see, doesn't matter what's going on behind the scenes or why it happened. What matters is what they see. They don't care. And I'm one of those customers now. I don't care about why you're having to struggle the thing in coda where they had the bikes overheating because they were holding them for so long because they had those guys that were so much slower than everybody else filling up the grid you can't have that sort of thing it's simple rules it's simple operational operational stuff and it seems like they cannot figure that out because they're so desperate for bikes on the grid and that is a problem and i get it i do in terms of the racing I would like to see them follow the World Superbike format. Let's do a race one, race two, and a Super Pole race. Let's do that. Let's follow the World Superbike Pole because the, uh, Wayne Rainey has said, point blank, that they're trying to get people to World Superbike. Okay, well, let's follow that model. Now, in terms of the coverage, I have seen improvements in terms of the video coverage of the past couple of years. But what we, number one, my biggest beef is with Greg White. You have to stop teaching people about Superbike racing. I, I am so tired of hearing that I can go buy that on the showroom floor or that the only way they can communicate is a pit board or that, you know, the Dunlop tires are doing so great because right. they do this. And, and I'm, I'm tired of hearing that. I'm tired of hearing the novice instructional speech by Greg White. I know why he's doing it. We're trying to beef up the sport. But I feel like he's got to be rubbing a lot of people like me and you who know the sport, who yeah. love the sport, who support it the wrong way. Because I'm, I'm literally yelling at the TV and my wife is laughing. I'm like, so, shut up. And, you know, that's a good point, too. So, you know, imagine you know, if we watch a, a NASCAR race, um, you know, like you're not going to get that kind of instruction with a NASCAR no. race, you know, you're no. not going to get a, you're not going to get that kind of instruction with an IMSA race. Um, you certainly I, don't get it when you watch an F1 you race. Know, you know what, Bo? I would not be mad if right before they started the race, he went over all of that stuff that he says throughout the race four to five times. Yeah. I, and, I, 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 he, 
I wouldn't be mad if he did it every time right at the beginning. Explain some rules, explain the bikes. Okay, perfect. So I think some of that too is a, I don't, and I don't want to say it's, I, I, let's, let's be honest, you know, and look at it from, from the outside. I think commentating um, on, on a live event like that is, is actually difficult. It's um, very difficult. Because you it's have to difficult. fill the space, you know, you have to fill all of that dead air space. Um, and, and, you know, let's be, let's be completely honest. Um, you know, uh, Matt Burt is amazing uh, for, for MotoGP, you know, even so much more than, uh, in my, they uh, don't Lewis, say that stuff, huh? Yeah, well, like Lewis, they don't Sud- ever say that stuff. Even Lewis yeah. Sutterby, you know, if you pay attention to Lewis, a lot of times I feel like Lewis is still coming into his, uh, into his own because he repeats yep. a lot of what Matt Burt says, almost to the point where it makes me dislike Lewis because I feel like you you don't have anything original to say. Like, just stop talking, you know. Let Matt take a take a take care of it, but. Um, yeah. But, you know, if that's the thing, you know, I think Lewis is just he's he seems like a young guy and he's getting into this. And and let's be honest. I mean, that's a if you're following guys like Steve Day, Matt Burt and and Nick Harris, um, those are big shoes to oh. fill in the commentary world. Um, I, I miss Nick Harris. Yeah, to be perfectly honest. Too. Nick Harris was tremendous. Oh he was goodness, so, yeah. so good. It's such an iconic voice to, to yeah. listen to yeah. as well. So so I think, Bo, you and I. We can take from this that, yeah, we'll try to be more constructive in the future, but I'm not going to hesitate to call it out. And having bikes overheating on the grid because you have 30 bikes and having guys that are 7, 8, 10 seconds a lap slower than the than the pole sitter, not okay. Right. But the truth is we talked about it and laughed about it after Coda. There would have been like eight bikes on the grid. Right. But we have to figure out how to close that gap. We need more people. And the, you know what the answer is, Bo? It's money, right? Yeah, it's always yeah, money. It always, it always it's always money. It. So maybe maybe they could. In terms of the app, I will say the last thing I'll say about Moto America in terms of constructive criticism is I just overdid. I just went through an overhaul of my app on my company. And it it has video. It has interactive stuff. It has all that stuff. It's not that hard. You're not doing it because you're lazy. Right. That's it. That's right. that's the truth. They're not overhauling their app because they're lazy now. I'm going to be honest. World Superbikes app is not tremendous. Right. MotoGP right. is the standard. It's the standard, and it has improved. They improve something on MotoGP nearly every year that I can remember. Yes. I can remember something getting better. But the other two aren't following suit. Now, that could absolutely be due to money, but Moto America doesn't need to do what MotoGP is doing they just need to have an app that updates and works. I'm so tired of not being able to watch the second Superbike race until the next day because I can't get the app to update it. You know what I mean? And yeah. show me a new to show me the race. So that's that's it. But I I I don't want Moto America to fail. I I know that I sound like that sometimes. I'm I'm always, you know, whining about it. But I'm whining about it because I am so angry that we are not on the world stage and I don't know another way to get our people there than through Moto America, but it's not Moto America's fault if the talent that's coming up through the ranks is not good enough to go over there. Or is it? I don't know. What do you think? Well, so the first thing I'll say with that is motorcycle racing is hard. And expensive. Riding riding a motorcycle at a level of – uh, competency that would rival that would that would rival a Jonathan Ray, a Top Rack, a Garrett Gerloff, a Cam Bobier, um, even Sean Dillon Kelly. Uh, you, you know, riding a motorcycle to that level is not an easy thing. 
And no, it American is not. American culture teaches us to find the easy way to do things. Uh, we always want to find things that make our lives easier, that make our days easier, that make our jobs easier, that make our commutes easier, that make our whatever easier. Um, and and that's the complete opposite of what motorcycle riding is. There's no, yeah, there's I would nothing agree with to make motorcycle racing and riding at that at the tip of the spear level easier. Um, and then and then here you can you know someone can chime in and say, oh well you know electronics make it easier. You still have to be able to master that machine to really manipulate the electronics to get the most out of the bike that you need to to be competitive on that level. Um, so, so no, motorcycle riding is not an easy thing. And I'm actually going to go out on a limb and I'm probably going to upset a lot of people. I think that, it, you know, motorcycle racing, it's easy. It, it's not as, uh, not as easy as, and, and this is kind of relative, you know, even driving a car, driving a car to its maximum is not as difficult as, um, motorcycle riding. I don't believe. Well, that's your opinion. And again, if there are audio issues with me, I apologize. I'm sitting in the hotel room, not my normal uh, recording studio between the stuffed animals and the Legos <laughs> at my other house. <laughs> but I think the, the last thing I'll say um, is somebody jumped on me about what I said about Yamaha ruining Mo Moto America. And I stand by the statement, but I don't think that Yamaha did anything wrong. And I believe I said that. I think that they did exactly what you're supposed to do in a competitive situation, which is go win. The unfortunate part was that there wasn't someone willing to challenge them. But if we remember, Rockstar Makita Suzuki was there for a long time with Maladin, Spees, uh, you know, and those guys. They won a ton of championships and no one else could win. And there was a time, and now it's Yamaha's time. It very well may be BMW's time in the very near future in our series, as long as Titler sticks around, and I think they will. I think they're serious about it. I think there's some real passion there. But I, the only thing I meant by saying Yamaha ruined it was simply that, you know, it, it just, um, it, it, it was, it, they're just so good. You know, Stamboli is head and shoulders above everyone else in terms of crew chief, in my opinion, in the U.S. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and it's it's circumstantial right now, right? Right. Um, you know, money, like experience, you said, yeah. the package, the riders—they have all those things going for them. They're going to dominate it, but unfortunately, I think they they want it so hard for so long that everybody else is like, "Well, let's go flat track," yeah. you know. So. Uh, you know, but that's my thing on Moto America. Season's over. Am I excited for a new season? The answer is yes. I want to see Cam back out there. I want to see him in a helmet that protects his head. And I want to see, you know, if Gagne can hold up under the 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 attack that I know that Titler's BMW is going to put on him next year because I, I think they got a lot of data this year on a new bike, and I think it's going to be much better. What yeah. do you think? No, definitely. Um, and, you know, you kind of touched on that just a hair, but is the Titler cycle team. Um, I did see an article that, that kind of speculated that they may not come back. Um, so I hope that's Shh. not the case. I, I do. Me hope too. That the, you know, because the B, I mean, if there's any any bike that can take it directly to Yamaha right now, it's, it's the BMW. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, 
Let's move to World Superbike. And since we're moving over to Europe, we mentioned Kayla Yakov coming over and winning the R7 Cup races. Well, isn't it interesting that there's enough interest in motorcycle racing in Europe that there's an R7 Cup? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's 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 all you need to know is that they have an R7 Cup, like just for the R7. And she came over there and won it. But we were at Aragon with World Superbike. Had some drama. Um, Michael Rubin Rinaldi wins race one. Top rack finishes second. Ray finishes third after the crash by Bautista. Bautista comes back, wins the Super Pole race with Ray in second and Razgat Lioglu in third. And then race two, Bautista wins again. Top rack in second, Rinaldi in third. Okay, let's look at big picture. Are you worried for Bautista? Nope. I I I, I got to be honest. I'm right there with you. I I really want to be worried, but the the crash again. I say this all the time. It's racing at the highest level. They're pushing and they're right on the edge. Crashes happen. The fact that he came back and won the next two races, he's fine. He's yeah. not mentally not there. You know what I mean? Like it's just it so happens not, and not even, it just does. You know, not just winning the race. Um, not just winning the you know Super Bowl race was fairly close, but um, race two he won by four seconds. So it wasn't close. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so to me, you know, I'm not I'm not and you know in race fourteen seconds off. So yeah, yeah. So uh, I I did see I did see Jonathan Ray especially at the beginning of the race looked really really good. Now he's really good at Aragon always, mm-hmm. but. He, he looked really good. That bike just can't keep up. It's just the truth. It's the bike. It, it just can't. It can't keep grip. It nope. loses the tire. It, you know what I mean? Um, but I wanted to say that in in the Superbike class, I, I, I really do see... I, Top Rack Rascat Lioglu is a special, special rider. I just don't know how he doesn't crash all the time. I just don't. Like, I, every hard braking zone i swear that guy's going off or he's crashing and he's on the apex and he's fine he is otherworldly on the brakes now he didn't have the same feeling this weekend evidently and he still was right there when he needed to be it was it was just i i, I don't know what he can do at bmw um but you know garrett gerloff made the comment that the bmw likes to keep both wheels on the ground so we'll see. And, you know, but if anybody the, can make it, don't care. It's him. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, I was that was going to bring up that question. Actually, is, you know, I'm really curious to see if he's going to be able to ride a BMW the same way that he rides a Yamaha. Um, yeah. And I'm I'm, I'm concerned to a point. You know, uh, just to see if, if it really is to see how much he can actually adapt. And I'll be very impressed if he can adapt and change how he rides. Um, to really, me too. You know, to, me to too. Exploit the wild. But I will be. But right now, I'm skeptical. You know, I we were at uh, when we were in Barcelona. I actually made the comment to a, a fellow that we were sharing the uh, table with. I said, um, uh, "Well, you I have said, to say it in Catalan." Did you say it in Catalan? <laughs> no, no. He was actually Australian, uh, but he was made a he made a comment about uh, about Rascali Algun. I so, I told him. He said, "Oh, I'd love to see him on a MotoGP bike." And I said, "He I, I don't believe that he would be as nearly as successful." on a MotoGP nope. bike as he is a world Superbike, and he he looked like nope. i threw cold water in the guy's face and he said well, what do you mean i said the chassis and MotoGP are so much stiffer the bike doesn't mm-hmm. move as much. I, I told him i said it's a completely different animal and, and well, i told him i said i think it would be a long time before he could figure out how to really ride a MotoGP bike so you know interesting you bring that up because there was an article where they 
they interviewed Toprak, and he said when he tested the M1, he did not have a good feeling from it, so he wasn't interested. And and then he said, you know, I don't really love the MotoGP paddock. Everybody there is acts like a star. So I thought that was, there's a part of me, the competitor in me, that says, hey, man, those are the best in the world. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Yeah. But there's my, my logical side that says, you know what? This guy's being honest with himself. And it's a breath of fresh air for a guy to say, you know what? I just don't want to be there. I don't like that attitude. I like to be more relaxed. I'm having fun here. Money is whatever. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I might make more money, but then I go over there. I don't do well. I come back, and now I'm damaged goods, limping back to World Superbike. But I could be over here and be a genuine record-breaking superstar like Jonathan Ray. And you know what? I'm not mad at him for making that decision because he's allowed to do that. I understand that people want to see him on the M1 or an OtoGP bike, but to your point, maybe, and, and he said he didn't have a good feeling, and maybe that's why. Maybe his riding style doesn't suit it. And so you know what he did? He said, you know, I'm going to stay where I can ride the way I ride because I'm not effective in another way. Right. I'm not going over there to finish 15th. So I, I, I kind of loved, I kind of loved the interview after I sat down and thought about it for a while. Cause at first I was like, wow, what a sissy. <laughs> and then I was like, you know what? Actually that's wrong. That's not, he's doing what's best for him and his motorcycle career because yeah. he knows how to handle the superbike brilliantly. He's brilliant on a superbike and I, I don't i am not mad at him at all for saying that at all if they're thinking about it. i think he should do exactly what he feels he needs to do and and he's doing that and i applaud him for doing that because a lot of people would get enamored with the glamour the glitz the oh i'm a moto gp rider i'm more money whatever what have you the fame but I get it. That's not his scene. So good on you, Top Rack. That's the way I felt about that statement. What are your thoughts? So, no, I agree with that. And, and you know, there's a stark contrast, I think, to seeing how Top Rack Razgoyoglu handles himself um, post-race um, and even in the yep. bat, in the pit, too. And, and I think you can you can kind of see that character come out a little bit. You know, he doesn't, you know, he's, he's openly um, Muslim, doesn't partake in the Prosecco, um, doesn't really do much on the on the podium celebrations. Actually, got pretty upset with Batista about a podium celebration, um, where he poured uh, champagne on him, and he wasn't appreciative of that. But it, it, I think there's a stark contrast in in another Turkish rider, and when you look at Dennis Unchu in the in the GP paddock in Moto Three, I think Dennis Unchu really loves the limelight. I think sure. he, I, I think he loves the attention. I think he's a little bit narcissistic, um, and and I really saw that this weekend. I think and and it kind of I think I felt it it kind of backfired on him at in India, um, but but I definitely there's there's more of an arrogance um, in Dennis Unchu and more of a humility um, and self awareness I think in top rack of of where he wants to be, what he is doing, what he can do right now, and what's best for him. Um, and, and, and I have to respect that. I actually didn't, I wasn't a huge top rack fan for the longest time, uh, because I thought, you know, kind of the way he carries himself was a little bit arrogant, but it's more, uh, to, it's more of just a stoic nature that he has. And, you know, he's just, he's in his own shell. He wants to, to do what he wants to do. And I mean, the guy 
the guy can ride a bike, and that's that's what he's so, hired to do. He's not absolutely. There to, well, he's a little like Casey Stoner in that regard, right? Like he yeah, might come yeah. off as standoffish or whatever, but it's not that at all. He's just not interested in being a superstar. A yep, he loves riding a motorcycle, and I'm going to tell you, I straight up in a straight up fight on a superbike. I don't know that there are a lot of guys, you know, that could beat him on. The, they're all on the same bike. I don't yeah, know. Spec series and superbike. Yeah, would be spec series. I don't know. It, you know it'd be, it yeah, would he be would be impressive. You know, here's the thing: if he came to Moto America, I would go to a lot of races because I want to see that in person. Because on TV, it looks like there's no way he can yeah. do it. Now, obviously, I'm a better motorcycle rider than Top Rack, but you know, second, he's a distant second to me, but he's really, really good. I think, I think Bo just died. I think he just died. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Um, Everybody, please, please know that that was a joke. I must be high <laughs> on the Wisconsin air up here. That was, uh, that was a joke. But I, I, I wanted to say that about Top Rack because this weekend, you know, the races, they were they were interesting. And how far did Bautista slide when he went down? That was crazy. <laughs> he slid like 300 yards and then didn't even hit anything. And the bike had no damage because it was on top of him. That was crazy. But um, I, I just, I'm not worried about Bautista. I think, you know, if you crash, the best thing you can do is come back and win the next two. And he did that with ease. It wasn't yeah. even hard, mm -hmm. especially when he got out front in both of those races right at the jump. Nobody could catch him. Right. He was a half a second <clears throat> within the first lap. It wasn't close. And, uh, you know, so um, anything else you got about Superbike you saw was interesting besides Gerloff. Gerloff looked pretty good. Uh, yeah, I actually saw. I mean, his post is his social media post that he's, you know, he's. it's got to say something if he's not super happy with top tens anymore. So um, I think yep. Gerloff knows where he wants to be. And I think, I think it's great that he's shooting higher. Um, so I just, I, just, I want it to get better. Yeah. I, I really, um, if he can get that where he's a top five, six every week, I think he would get a shot at that rocket BMW factory shot squad because I, Michael Vandermark for me, I, I know he's talented, Yeah, I think but he's not, he's yeah. not doing it. I mean, to me, next year's it, you know, I, I think that yeah. if Vandermark doesn't really do anything next year, I think he's got to slide yeah. aside and, yeah. and, yeah. you know, I think Gerloff at this point does deserve a shot at the factory BMW. Um, but, but I'm just, well, my sure thing is he's, he's been, the he's been the top finishing BMW many, many times now this year. Right. Um, and they haven't been finishing like second, but he's been the top finishing uh, BMW and he's the only BMW to get a pole position. So, right. you know, so he's done some really good things. And I will tell you though, I still see a little, uh, hesitation in him yep. on making moves. Um, he's really got to get rid of that. He's, I don't know what he's got to do, but he's, he's got to get rid of that because especially late in the race, he runs right up on guys and then he sits behind them for three laps. Nope. Yep, you got to push well. him out of the way, bud. Yeah. You got. I'm sorry. I know you've had some incidents in the past, and you're afraid of that reputation. But you know who doesn't care about that reputation? Anybody flying the Turkish flag. Now, in Top Rack's defense, he doesn't hit anyone, really. I mean, he's so good. His bike control is just crazy. But you know, Canon Chu has a little bit like that. He's a little bit right. aggressive like that. He has kind of that. And speaking of Canon Chu, he's now been back for two weekends. He is nowhere close. That nerve damage to his arm was was really really severe. Um, 
that's unfortunate because he is taking a big step backwards. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, um, it's and tough. I hope that in the off season he gets better because that's that just that's terrible, man. A, a wreck that's not your fault, yeah. and you end up with a permanent, you know, debilitation from it. But um, what else you got it before we go into super sport? What else you got about Superbike? Uh, nothing really. Okay. I am, I'm ready to to jump over. Well, I you know. Um, Super sports going to be pretty easy. Yeah. Nicolo Bulaga has a stranglehold on that. And he was so dominant at Aragon. It was, he was a second. It was a Gagne kind of, that's what I thought of. I thought of the, this is like watching Gagne in the Superbike race in Moto America, a second and a half at the end of the first lap. And then just gone into the distance, hanging out. So crazy. He's, he's done so well. I mean, Marcel Schroeder looked pretty good at times. Stefano Manzi was good at times. He, you know, he was really trying to finish second in race one and ran off there um, and finished way down, which gave yep. uh, Bulaga a 20-point advantage on that race. And now he's 85 points down. This, this, Are we in agreement? This championship has been decided already. It's yeah, done. Yeah, I, I, yeah. There's only 100 points available. So you're going to have to win all four, and Bulaga's going to have to – you know, basically not yeah, score correct. any yeah, points. Not score everyone. He's got it. Yeah. So, um, but I, you know, I, I thought for the most part, I saw some, some really good stuff from Schroeder and I saw some life out of, uh, you know, um, our other Turkish rider, Safaglu. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I think, I think next year could be really, really good. I, I, with Bulaga gone, I, I wonder if there's going to be someone stepping up to that Aruba IT V2 that's going to dominate like he did um, because, you know, he was there, but Agater dominated him last year, and this year he, he was the dominant one. So we'll see. I mean, they got uh, – they're in Portimao this weekend, which would be interesting, but I fully expect Bulaga to win the world title on the first race. Yeah, I think that's – yeah, I think that'll, that'll decide it, I believe. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but what else do you got for super sport? Anything? Do you see anything interesting? Uh, you know, I mean, obviously Jorge Navarro, a couple top tens. So it was good to see. Jorge it's finally Navarro. seeing some life out of Jorge Navarro. Yeah. Yep, we've got yep, exciting, yep. So hopefully that'll be, yep. that'll be good. Well, we, we do have to mention that, uh, in the super sport class, Danilo Petrucci came through the field by a long shot in race one, finished fifth. But, you know, I don't, I don't exactly know what happened to him. I, I didn't hear the story because I didn't watch the practices about why he was so far back. He was in 24th, I believe. Um, but he came through the field. He's back, with, uh, he's back with them next year at Barney. I, I'm telling you, I think Danilo's going to be much better next year. I think he's going to do real well. You agree? I think so. I mean, we talked before about how small that team is and, you know, kind of how they – they aren't the best position financially, but you know they've got a ton of talent in uh, in Daniel Petrucci that's going to be there, and hopefully he can just keep pushing forward and he can can be more consistent up towards the front and you know maybe get a win for them next year. I think it's absolutely possible. Yeah, absolutely, it's possible. We'll see. Um, well, let's go to India where we saw in MotoGP we saw the first race in India ever which was pretty cool. So a new circuit. Tell me what you thought about the circuit. So I love the layout. I, I didn't think that I, I didn't think that I would really like it, you know, looking at the track map just, you know, from over top and, and seeing how it was laid out, but 
to watch the racing it seemed like it was a very difficult circuit to actually get right and um the turn the actual the turn eight and nine like carousel complex uh looked amazing was really cool yeah that bank turn was cool so i was waiting for that turn that joe roberts put on um i can't remember who he was racing against now off the top of my head um uh Sergio Garcia, I was waiting for that move all weekend from whatever class, and and Joe yeah. Roberts finally gave yeah. it to us. You know, I was I, pretty excited because I was waiting to y- see that. Oh yeah, I was excited too. I I think you're going to see that if they go back. I think, and I think they are. It's on the calendar, right? Um, I think I think you'll see it more. They they gather a lot of data this weekend. Yeah. Yep. And and now, so yeah, I, I but, will say it looked dirty. I mean, the the track just did. looked very dirty as soon as they went off. Well, it's India. Lots of uh, lots of dust get kicked up and. So, yeah, I just, it was excruciatingly hot. And that, yeah. so I think, so this is the thing I, I, I wonder, and I'm sure they just scheduled it when they could schedule it, but I, I really think you try to do, and, and I don't know how close the, the circuit is to the, the equator, right? Like, I don't know. Right. But, but I would try to find the coolest time of year because it, those dudes were dying on the grid. Yeah. Dying. Well, yeah. We saw what happened to, to, Jorge Martin at the end of the race. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it, it, you know, but I, I just feel like uh, it was a good circuit. I think it's really cool. I'm glad they're in India, but uh, overall, they need some help on the marshals. The marshals weren't always on top of it. That wasn't great. Uh, but Growing Pains, first event, the track itself, like the the surface, looked like it was pretty good and had good grip. I didn't hear a lot of complaints about it, even with the intense heat. Um, so that's that's positive. Um, but let's talk about the Moto Three race, if you if yeah, you're good yeah, to do that. Um, we saw Masia win the race, Toba coming in second, and Ayuma Sasaki finishing third, Hogato finishing fourth. All right. So tell me what you saw in that race. Tell me what you were thinking while the race was going on. What are your highlights? So obviously, I mean, nobody can touch Jeremy Massey for for whatever reason. The last few rounds, I mean, this guy's just on it. Um, you know, win two podiums on top of that, and then before that, he had a, a DNF and no scores. So something happened after Austria, um, where something clicked, and Jeremy Massey yep. now is there, yep. right? Um, and now. I, I, you know, I'm a huge Sasaki fan and I was waiting all, all race, you know, like to, I was, I was really hoping towards the end of that race when Sasaki just fell off a cliff. Um, you know, I I have to really give it to his teammate, Colin Vire, but I, I really felt like, uh, Colin tried to protect Sasaki the best that he could. Um, I felt the same way, you know, I felt so bad, you know, when Sasaki threw the move at him at the, in the last corner or the next to the last corner. And then and he ended up crashing him. I'm thinking, dude, this guy's been protecting you and you have no idea. Um, <laughs> you have no idea that, that he's been doing that for you. And then you wipe him out, you know, and then Toba no comes good and deed, the, man. Yeah, and Toba takes the position anyway. So I think Sasaki really owes a, uh, a drink and a steak dinner to Colin Byer. Um, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I would agree with that. But, I, I uh, honestly, so, you're right about Mastia. This is the Mastia we've been waiting to see for what? Five years? Four yeah. years? Yep. It feels like forever. It feels like Mastia is my age. Um, but he is so talented and can be a force if he just gets his head right. 
Um, Kaito Toba, much better weekend. Best weekend of the year, would you agree? Um, yeah, I mean, he, it's it's just yeah. it's Toba's an enigma to me. Uh, you know, but he was on it this weekend. No one knew the circuit. There was no data. I think that helped him um, equalize the playing field a little bit. So that's good. Sasaki, to me, third is a disappointment, honestly. Um, it's a good ride. You did well, but you should have. You should at least finish second, and you you really should have thrown some shots at Masia regardless. Right. You at didn't least, even, at least you didn't even do it. Bit, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to echo the same thing. I mean, and, you know, I think it's uh, the only the only rose-colored glasses I can say is, you know, Sasaki's one point off the championship lead right now. The bad right. thing with that is right. it's a three-way battle. Um, right. And, unfortunately, the momentum is not with Sasaki. It's with Masia. So, um, maybe yeah. Sasaki will have a little bit extra going into his home GP this weekend. We'll see. I, I'm not I'm just going to say that. I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not listen, super. Listen, you, you, that, that – can do one of two ways. I think it goes one of two ways. I think he has a great race or a terrible race. I don't think he finishes middle. Like, it's like, ah, I did okay. No, I, I think he's going to be trying to win that race, and he either does it or... Or he doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> or he doesn't, really doesn't. Yeah. Um, But, so, let's talk about Hogato for a second. The championship leader now is on level points and only one point ahead of Sasaki, on level points with Masia. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did see some signs of life from Del- uh, from Holgado, who didn't have a great weekend leading up to the race. I mean, so he fought hard to get this fourth place, and, you know, he's not had a great run these last few rounds. What do you think about Del- Holgado right now? I mean, if you're not on it, you're not on it, but he's doing, he, he's doing better. When he's not on it, he's doing his best to get where he can get, you know, to finish where he can and really salvage the weekend the best that he can. Um you know, I think that he had so much momentum and he looked like such a, a on a completely different level earlier in the year. Um, it was easy to say, oh, my gosh, this guy's going to run away with it, which I think we did a few times and we thought about it. But now it's, you know, it can't get any closer now. Um, so it's really going to be interesting to see just how the rest of the season unfolds. Um, but I think that he's got to take some positive, some positives away from the fact that, like you said, you know, he's yep. kind of saved the weekend. It could have been a lot worse. It was a, it was a much better damage limitation ride. The problem is, and, and and I've said it before, I don't feel like qualifying matters that much with uh, Moto3, and to some extent it doesn't because we've seen, uh, you know, um, uh, David Alonso. Um, you know, come through the pack quite a co- yeah. you know f- quite a few times, yeah. and yeah. and finish very well after a poor qualifying. But Holgado doesn't have to seem to have the explosive ability to get through the pack um, when he doesn't qualify well. Uh, you know, if he's if he's qualified well and he's on the pace and he's at front, he's he's first or second usually the entire race. But it takes him a long time to get up to those top positions if he's not up there on the start. So obviously qualifying for Daniel Holgado, I think is important. And I think he's I would agree with that you. Out. Yep. I would agree with that. Well, I think, you know, for Daniel Holgado, he's just got to figure out what the right combination is, right? Like yeah. I, I, what to do so that I do qualify well. And then when I qualify well, how to run my race so that I am, you know, in a position to win if that's possible, but 
most importantly, I'm not giving away big points to people. Right. And now I've I've got to make sure I stay in front of Masia and Sasaki. I got to I got to finish ahead of those guys so that I can uh, pick up points on them and for the championship. But Moto Three is race. The race has gotten a lot tighter, right? So yeah. Um, I yep. think I think it I think it's really uh, it's it's getting really interesting. Um, but really, that's all I had for Moto Three. Did you see anything else in Moto Three you wanted to call out? No, not particularly. No, that, that, I right. think we could slide over to Moto Two. Um, Absolutely. Well, <sighs> Moto Two. Um, I was very curious because I mentioned earlier about no one's been to the track. You know, kind of the great equalizer. I was like, okay, let's see how Pedro Acosta does in India. All right. Well, he won by three and a half seconds. That's how he did. Yeah. Uh, Tony Arbolino, though, showing some life, finishing second. And then the American, USA, 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 finishing third, Joe Roberts. And we'll, we'll, if he doesn't finish on the podium, the remainder of the year will likely be his last podium because he's going over to the the Hopkins syndicate. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, I marvel – at Pedro Acosta. And I, I find it funny that I'm surprised when he crashes or when he's not winning. That's how good that kid is. And, you know, he, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. He got out front and he just managed the race. I bet you if he'd have wanted to, he could have won that race by eight seconds. Um, but he, he knew that the points were important. He saw that Arbolino was back there, and he's like, well, if he can't close on me, I can't give him – I don't want to give him a race win, you know. Yeah. So let me let me just keep him right here. And if, if he picks up his pace tremendously, then I will too. Um, but, I mean, we've already said everything you can say about Pedro Acosta. What do you got? Yeah, the same thing, just to echo that. You know, he doesn't – if he knows that he's got the pace, you know, if he's going to try to stretch Tony Arbolino, he's not going to try to stretch Tony Arbolino – you know, in one lap, he's going to wear him down over and over and over and said, if you, if you want it, come get it, you know, and, and he's just going to, he's so methodical about how he goes about his races. Um, Now, uh, you know, I think that there was a little bit of back and forth between and desperation that I saw to Jake Dixon, who was trying to throw a couple passes. Um, uh, But in the end, we see who was the better rider. Um, Uh, and, And there's, I, I don't think anybody was ever questioning that. Were you questioning well, that? Well, no, no, I th- okay. no. Okay. No. Okay. But, well, I mean, we also can't talk about this without talking about the sure. first, you know, the first turn absolute bowling uh, bowling ball of Jeremy Bender that decided to go into the half of the grid. Yeah. Alcoba? Alcoba has some real issues, and he is making his judgment right now, and not just right now, but for a long time. His judgment is just exceptionally poor, and it's um, that was an exceptionally poor choice, like that. You, well, yeah, I, 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 I can't believe he did that. I, I cannot like me, believe. If you were like me, you absolutely imagined back in Qatar when he and McPhee got together, and that we saw the tiger yeah. kick from McPhee. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of McPhee, oh, talk about a guy who just cannot, yeah. who might just need to walk away from motorcycles forever. I don't know, but I that was terrible. 
in ter- it wasn't terrible that it happened. That was hilarious. It was a terrible fight. Yeah. That's what it was. <laughs> that was not going to sell any pay-per-view tickets. But it was Alcoba. You're right. And Alcoba has the reputation for doing that. And I, I, at, at some point, MotoGP, Adorna, whoever, is going to have to make a real effort to make him realize how stupid the things he's doing are and how they're not going to be tolerated. I mean, he took out how many riders was it? Five. Yeah. Well, including so him four, or four six, or including him. Yeah. It was yeah. Quite a few. So regardless, yeah. it was stupid and he shouldn't have been allowed to do that. Right. Um, and you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't want to bag on out Al, Jeremy Alcoba, but, Jeremy Alcoba is is a he's a problem, right? And he needs to get that under control, like so, really. Well, hey, like I said, I mean, maybe Nadia Padovani, who runs that team, needs to give Kaylee Yakov a call and see if she wants to Boom. take a spin on the Triumph Seven Six Five yeah. Alex chassis and the, yes, right. Let's get go. her away from the Hopkins Syndicate. We don't want him anywhere close to her um and yeah absolutely because what's alcoba gonna give you a repair bill repair bill yeah yeah get the hell out of here we don't need that and so again i don't think we can come out of this weekend without talking about the fim unfortunately um (laughs) if i'm darren bender i am losing my mind that Alonzo Lopez didn't get a penalty. I knew you were going to bring that up, and I don't know how. Me too. The exact same thing that happened. And and, and I saw it coming. I mean, I lost it laughing. As soon as as Jake Dixon passed him, I saw exactly what what Alonzo Lopez was going to do. And you could could just watch the attitude of the bike and the front tire. I my mind, I thought he's going to cross it right back up and come up underneath of him. He's not going to let him have that. And sure enough, there it was. And, and down goes Jake again. And, and I, and I mean, obviously, you know, I'm screaming at the television saying, ban him. He's an idiot, ban him, um, to mock Jake Dixon from the Silverstone crash. But, um, you know, he's I, an absolute I, clown. I, I honestly did, but I, but if I'm the FIM, I, I just don't understand how, I don't either. I don't get it. I really don't. And, and I, I really have. I'd love to sit down in a room with Freddie Spencer and say, "Explain this to me, please." Yes, please. Explain and, to me the, the seven hundred variables that you're bringing in here and the to make this decision. The same penalty in one class will get you a single long lap, and then the same, but it'll get you a double long lap in the next class. This doesn't make any sense to me, and no. uh, I, there's no rhyme or reason. There's I. It's it's infuriating because I just want consistency. I want to be able to expect what this penalty is. You know what what's going to happen here, and I can't. Yeah, I, you can't. That's exactly right. Well, anyway, I'm, another American yeah. was in the points this weekend. Hey, Sean Dillon Kelly with the forward team finishing fifteenth. Now some of that was due to the attrition, but mm-hmm. you know he scored a point and. I hope he rode by the American Racing Garage and flipped them off. Um, you know, of course, Marcos Ramirez finished higher. He finished <laughs> yeah. in ninth. Yeah, so, yeah. so <laughs> I mean, and, and you know, but uh, but Rory Skinner didn't. 
you know, and yeah. I, I just, I don't know. That's a frustrating thing, but Hey, all I cared about was Joe Roberts got on the podium yes. and he better get seven more because next year your bike is going to break or they're going to give you the wrong setting or the advice you'll get from the garage is you're fine. Just push just, harder. Just send it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think, but for Moto2, I think the story is and still is Pedro Acosta and the lack of a spot and what is KTM going to do? And I read an article about this. You know, KTM asked to bring MV Agusta on. And MotoGP said, nope, because it would be the same bike, just a different brand. They were like, nope. So they said, well, can we have a third rider in the factory team? They said, nope. And so they said, what we'll do is we'll give you a bunch more wild cards. So what they're going to do is put one of their riders is just going to do all these wild cards. So they're going to have, instead of like three, they'll have like nine or something like I that. I think that's so stupid. What's the point then? If the, you're only going to let it, them have, you know, more wild cards, yeah. what's the If you're point? worried let about bikes on bike. the grid, if you're worried bike. about, yeah, if you're worried about bikes on the grid, you didn't solve your problem. So, you know, Espleta, you got to figure it out, bud. We, we're going to need you to use some logic and somebody just needs to write them, write them out, check. It's that's just going to exactly take it. money. That's absolutely it. Just pay the money. Pay the money. So that's it. But since we're talking about MotoGP, let's go to the MotoGP absolutely. race. Let's talk about the sprint. Um, in the sprint, you know, Jorge Martin looked tremendous. Um, winning the race there. Bagnaya in second. And Mark Marquez back on the podium. Um, but I think that... I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that nobody had any data there. So you're riding on pure talent. Um, and he did a good job. So, you know, good for him. Good for Mark. And, you know, he will he will forever be a tremendous talent. Yeah. And <clears throat> talent for talent, no one's going to be way ahead of him or even ahead of him at all. So it was probably very good and very satisfying for him to come up with that podium in the sprint. Um, but what did you see in the sprint? Did you see anything special? I mean, it was a, it was a sprint and yeah. that's it. That's it. That's it. I mean, but, you know, it I was mean, a good obviously race. Marco Bezzecchi had amazing pace. Unfortunately, uh, Luca Marini decided to be a missile would go in just a little hot. So, um, yeah, I, I don't exactly know what happened. I know that Marini broke his collarbone in that crash um, I'm not really sure why Marini was on that line or well, I think what he happened. Just broke, I, th I think it was just misjudged the turn. I honestly think that's all it was. That obviously, there's no marker there. Um, yeah. I mean, Simon Crafar talked numerous times this weekend that he was, you know, that said you all of a sudden feel like you're in Malaysia, but then you realize that you're not. And then by that time, right. it's way right. too late, you know, because the brake yeah. marker looks so similar, but it's not. It's not the same spot. Um, yeah, so, absolutely. That makes and, sense. And, you know, they were really harping on Luca Marini, um, you know, taking out his teammate. But, I mean, obviously, he didn't Marini mean to. didn't mean to do that, you know. And and, and, and it's not a common thing for Marini. Yeah, and, it, I mean, and if you watch the replay, you know, just before they made impact, I mean, Luca Marini really wrenched on the brakes to try to get the bike stopped. You know, the rear wheel came up yep. before he made contact, yep. and it was just yep. a bad – it was a bad – bad situation so i don't think it was 
it was just a misjudge of the of the first turn. Um, yeah, plain and simple. That's all it was. And and I even agree still, with you. you know, maybe the guys on the front row, um, didn't. You know, maybe they didn't break as late as they could have going into that corner. You know what I mean? Maybe they were trying to judge it, and everyone was a little bit gun shy going in, and um, and right. then Luca Marini, who wasn't, and everyone piled up to behind him. Yeah. Well, I think you know we we got to mention um, once again Aprilia was underwhelming in the sprint race. Um, it's amazing to me how they disappear. So, so my uh, wife made a comment. She said, I guess she had read something that they actually the bike is struggling in hot temperatures. Um, I read, I heard that as well. Yeah. So, so I, I wonder what's you know if there's something there because, uh, you know, obviously all of them didn't do well at all. You know, Maverick was in eighth. Um, Ralph Fernandez finished in tenth. Miguel Oliveira in twelfth, and then Alicia Spargo blew his engine up. So. Obviously, there's something there to, and I believe she said it was a terminal problem that the bike has in hot conditions. Wow, well, that's unfortunate for them, you know. Yes. Um, but I think you know we did see, you know, again uh, the emergence of uh, Jorge Martin and how serious a competitor, or a contender he is for the title this year. He he's on it, you know. He's he's riding as well as he's ever ridden. He's much more consistent, a lot less crashing, and um, that's a big deal. Uh, but moving over to the Sunday race, my goodness, Marco Bezzecchi could not be touched. No. That, I, that was unreal. Now, that was a boring race, right? Like, we all want exciting racing. But that was a display. That I, was unbelievable. It, I, I, don't, I didn't really think, it was, think of it as a boring race. Um, you know, maybe for Bezzecchi, but not, not much. But, but to me the pace that he had was just unreal and to see the times he was putting up were just unreal over and over and over and the when you consider the temperatures when you consider the lack of uh, the uh, the lack of data and knowledge there on the on the circuit um the unnecessary the unknown about the tires so when those tires are going to fall off i think everyone in michelin was actually standing around staring at each other wondering what was going on and thinking that those tires were getting ready to to go um, you know, pear-shaped after a while, but but they didn't. They held in, and and Betzeki was just rail, reeling out laps, lap after lap. Um, His consistency was amazing. Yeah, and then obviously we saw some excitement when uh, Pecco Benyaya finally got past Jorge Martin, and then immediately threw the bike up the road and blew the championship wide open again. Um, Unbelievable. Yeah. So I mean, and Joanne Mir back in the top five. Um, a Yamaha back on the podium. So it was so I, good to see Mir in the top five. I, yeah. I was happy that Mir, you know, he's my dude. And I, I was just so happy to see that. Um, What's, and, and, and honestly, if you just step into, to MotoGP now and you see this race result, this race result is so far askew. I feel that from, from oh, everything yeah. else we've yeah. seen in MotoGP this yeah. year, I mean, 100%. It, it's so yeah. nuts to me to see this. And, you know, I mean, you have two Yamahas in the top 10, a Repsol Honda in the, in, uh, uh, two, two Repsol Hondas in the top 10. Um, you know what I mean? It's just, it's wild to me to see this race result. Um, so that's what made this race exciting for me was that there were so many storylines and threads to pull and really stuff to go after. Um, you know, Absolutely, it, it, it was so. So to me, this was a fun weekend um, because yeah, the outcome 100%. of the weekend was was so yep. different than what we're used to seeing. I mean, obviously, two yep. two Ducatis on the podium. Um, you know, Brad Bender's up there again towards the front. Uh, uh, but 
I, I mean, it, the championship, you know, it, it's it's the Ducatis that we we like to see for the championship because um, because it makes it more competitive going into Japan, I think. And, and I think going into Japan, despite having, you know, a, a bike that's le- that's subpar, I, I think you're crazy to bet against Mark Marquez going into this track. Well, we're going to find out. You know, Mark uh, might be finding some life, and now he's kind of changing the narrative in the media that maybe he's staying where he is because this podium proved that Honda's working. But if he doesn't do well at Motegi, I think we're back to the other narrative. You know what I mean? Like, well, so, uh, it, it's hard because no one had, this was not normal. We're got right. no Teggy. Everybody's got data. Everybody's got experience. Everybody's got all these things. Mark is going to be at a big disadvantage with the bike. So we'll see. Go ahead. What were you saying? No, well, I'm saying, I don't know if it's, it, I, I don't think a good weekend. Um, let's say Mark Marquez blows everything out of the water this weekend and uh, pie in the sky. Marquez does the double. You know what I mean? We know that's highly unlikely, but let's look Whoa. at that really quick. The decision to me should not be based upon the outcome of the races this weekend. The decision should be based on the management meetings that he has with top HRC brass this weekend that you know is going to happen. You know that those meetings are going to happen. You know there's going to be a very serious conversation that's had about what the direction look like. So to me, that's where the Throw it, throw the racing out the window. I mean, in all, in all honesty, Mark Marquez could not race this weekend and still have the same decision to make, and nothing should be influenced, in my opinion, because the bike hasn't changed. You know what I mean? No, so, not, so making no, a decision right. now with the same bike you've been on all year is pointless, just because you're you maybe you're trying to figure you're right. you're figuring out how it can be ridden, but not how right. you want to ride it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we have to mention that Quartararo was also on the podium here, and he hasn't been close. Right. So this this race, if you take Bezeki out of it, because Bezeki has won at other tracks, but if you take Bezeki out of it, this race was an outlier, I think. So let's get back on level terms. Let's go back to Motegi, see what happens, and then we'll we'll overreact right. there. But right. speaking of overreacting, is Jorge Martin going to beat Peco for the championship? I'm if I'm Peko Benyaya, I'm more worried about Betseki. Wow. Really? The the margin that Betseki has uh, can beat opponents is astounding. Yeah. And you know and Betseki <clears throat> and Betseki we have to remember he was still hurt this race. He's still getting over that that thumb. That, that thumb injury, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um and Jorge Martin apparently doesn't know how to drink water whenever it's hot outside. So I mean Betseki right now to me is the guy. Yes, Jorge Martin is riding is is obviously he's much better positioned as points go in the championship, but and he's not put a foot wrong for a long time, but Betseki to me has an edge. I don't okay. know what it is. It's just kind of a, it's a it's just kind of that hunch and that that well, when I see right. it and he just looks so calm after the race. I mean, he looked like he could have done fifteen more laps. Man, something else. Yeah, 
He's 44 and, back in the championship right now, and yeah. Jorge Martin's only 13, though. That's a big difference. That is a big difference. I absolutely agree with that. So, But but you and I both know with the way Benyaya threw it up the road, um, you know, one weekend can really change the complexion. It really can. And so I read an interesting article about talking about Bagnaya, and, and they were talking about, you know, he's a tremendous writer. He's a world champion. He is not Rossi or Marquez. He is not them. And it's a little unfair to, they were saying it's maybe a little unfair to compare him to them because there's only two of those guys. Maybe you throw Agostini into that mix as well. Um, but Rossi and Marquez were so dominant and so, I don't know the words clutch because we saw Rossi crash in 06 when, at the last race of the year when he could have won it. But that was really the only mistake where Rossi made a mistake and threw it away. And we never saw Marquez do it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he never put himself in this kind of drama. He just went out there and smoked everybody if he was best. And and Rossi, during his prime, was largely the same. Like, there was never a question, you know, was he going to be on the podium? If he doesn't, if he finishes the race, he will be on the podium if he doesn't win it, you know? So... I don't know about Bagnaya. I, I think Bagnaya is, again, he, he overcame a lot last year to do it, so I don't think he has a mental problem like I think with Maverick. I, I just think with Bagnaya, he likes things a certain way, and when they aren't that exact way, he's going to struggle. Like his braking, he wasn't able to brake as normal for him. And um, they met, they made talked about it all weekend, you know, his braking, yeah. and the bike was moving a lot yeah, under braking yeah. for him. And so something was going on there, and he just couldn't figure out how to get around it, and it bit him at the worst possible time. And I bet you that they have looked at that ad nauseum, and they will have a solution or more than one solution to solve that problem in Motegi, which there may not be that problem in Motegi. The temperature will be different. The track surface is different. There's so many differences. So we'll see. But my thing is, is that I think, I'm not worried about Bezeki. I'm opposite of you. I'm worried if I'm, I'm more worried about Martin. But if I'm Pecco, my thing is finish every race now. Stop crashing. Yeah. If I finish every race, I'll be fine. That's the thing. Finish well, the races. Finish, finish every race in front of Martin. Well, no. I mean, you just had to finish every race. I think because I think Martin is going to crash at some point because he he crashed so often the previous years and he hasn't crashed this year. So that stuff just comes around. And so for Bagnaya, you know, he had a lot of crashes last year. And he hasn't had as many this year. And he's on special on Saturdays. He's been tremendous in the sprints. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I, we'll see. I, I'm more worried about Martin if I'm Bagnaya. But we'll see. Bezeki is no joke. And he obviously, after that, ex, you know, after that expedition he put on, uh, that show display he put on in, India, that was nuts, man. That was so good. Like I, I did not anticipate him being that far out at all. Um, but you know, that's why he's on a MotoGP bike, and we're not, I guess. Yeah, that's one of the reasons. What's the other reason? We're too uh, tall. Yeah, we're. That's it. That's that's really the main one, though. Honestly, yep. is that we're just too tall. I think. I think also I'm old. I think so. You know, I was too tall when I was the right age, and now I'm too old and yeah. tall. And maybe fat. Yeah. 
Maybe. I'm not going to admit to that, but maybe yeah. this, maybe these little Debbie snack cakes that I've been <laughs> munching on in this podcast are not helping me get into MotoGP bike oh, folks, shape. We're not sponsored by Little Debbie, but maybe we should probably seek out a partnership. I, little Debbie, if you're listening, I want to reach out. Let's <laughs> let's hit them up on the gram. Hey, listen, Jason, Jason's snack of choice, little Swiss cake roll action. Get out of here. Oh, and when Christmas time comes around, bring me some of those Christmas trees. I dare you. <laughs> Remember that, guys. Next time we see you at the track, if you're between sessions and you're you're looking for that pick-me-up, come and, come swing by and get a little Debbie. Yeah, just come smash four, four Swiss cake rolls. You'll love it. <laughs> it, it, it it'll... It'll liven up your day for oh, about 30 minutes, and then you'll want to die. mid-August at Roebling. Mid-August. <laughs> oh, when it's super hot, nothing cools you down. Like four Swiss cake rolls where you can barely choke them down because your mouth is so dry. Oh, man. <laughs> so, Bo, I, uh, we're, we, didn't, we didn't talk last week mainly, uh, or we did talk last week, but uh, as you know, I got to go sailing in the Pacific Ocean, and... Uh, that was quite the experience, my man. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, yeah. Have you bought your boat yet? Oh man, I was just looking at a forty-foot catamaran. Yeah, um, but I just don't have the extra nine hundred eighty-five thousand dollars for it. Um, but who does? You know, it was um, Jack Miller doesn't because he's still struggling to put it on the box this this year. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how it goes, brother. Yeah. So we stayed, we were in a 36 foot sailboat. It's the first time I've ever sailed. Very interesting. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, we went out to Catalina, moored off Catalina, slept on a boat for the first time. And I got to tell you, um, the second night we were there, I was asleep and some bigger waves came in and rolled me right into the wall of the boat. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I was like, oh, my gosh, what just happened? But uh, it was a great experience. I highly recommend it for anybody out there. You know, I I got to wrestle a dolphin. Uh, not not really. I saw dolphins, saw seals, fish. I snorkeled around Catalina. Um, so it was a great experience. I'd never been out there. But uh, I think I sent you the picture of me man in the, man in the helm. I didn't realize how hard it was going to be compared to be on the lake driving a boat to hold a heading in the ocean. It is a constant adjustment. It You cannot just hold it straight. It just will not go because the waves move you, the wind moves you, you're constantly adjusting the rudder. It's so different and it took me a little while to figure that out, you know, because if you're off by three degrees, you could miss, yeah. <laughs> you could you could be out in the wild blue yonder really fast. And uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun and I'm glad I got the chance to do that. Um, but uh, I highly suggest it if you ever get a shot I, to anybody who's listening, go do that because sailing is something different. It's really cool. Um, but on the way back, we had no wind on the ocean. Oh, my. That's good. In the Pacific. We were in the doldrums. <laughs> so I was, it was like a glass. It was like a lake. And that's not an exaggeration. It was like a lake. And we were crossing like the most dangerous shipping channel in North America, they say. Of course, I did wrong, it with right? ease. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? I did see a six-story cargo ship. That was nuts. Being a little sailboat down by the water. And this thing is six stories. It looked like it was just, and the wake was enormous too. But 
that's another story. But uh, all in all, it was a good it was a good vacation, and I highly recommend everybody if you if there's an experience that you want to have, and you're like finding reasons to not do it, don't do that. Have the experience. Will I will I go sailing every week for the rest of my life? Absolutely not. It's too much work. Would I? Would, am I grateful for the experience learning how to raise the main and set the jib and learn how to read the wind a little bit poorly read the wind poorly that is the key to sailing i learned <laughs> getting the sail up is the easy part putting your boat into the wind at the correct angle and being able to tighten that sheet to the correct angle oh my gosh it's so it's so experience driven but i had a blast that's all that matters right we got back in one piece yeah. the coast guard didn't have to rescue us which is great um yeah, man, I'm glad so, you had a good time. Yeah, man, I, I'm I'm stoked. I'd like to. I'm ready for my next adventure. I don't know what that'll be. What's your next adventure going to be, Bo? Um, well, the 2024 calendar is now out uh, for MotoGP. So we have mapped out when we're going to be in Austin, and mm-hmm. my wife is already starting to pick out um, a, another flyaway possibly for us. Wow. So, um, there could but be can you just tell everybody you. at home what it's like to be rich? Can you just explain that to everybody? Like, what's your life like now? I mean, do you wake up and you have a you have somebody the butler standing in your room, <laughs> puts your robe on, holding it up? I mean, what what's your life like now in your new house where you know and with all your toys? Like, you have a guy out there cleaning your stuff for you every day. I mean, what's that like? Just just give us a little insight. It's pretty cool. That's all I can really say. <laughs> Well, man, I, I, I'm with you. I want to do the flyaway. Um, I'm really interested in that. Um, so I just said it. Your experience is right. Quit finding reasons to not do it. That's it. You're starting to get old and you're, you don't want it. You're getting crotchety in your old age. I am getting crotchety. Old. That's so exactly the word. That. You just need, what did you say to me yesterday morning whenever I texted you about the calendar? You said, well, I've become you now. Um, so it backfired. So I, I used to be the voice of reason and now I'm just, well, Jason said this, so let's do it. Yeah, no, we were talking, you got me, we're in that hotel that's so expensive now. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is, feels right. This feels <laughs> like the right move. You know, and it's, I canceled all the cheap hotels. I was like, screw that. Well, like you I said, wanna... we would like to have an intact elevator this time. Yeah. Yeah. The elevator thing last year kind of freaked me out i mean that's a that was a brand new hotel i stayed in it the first year it was open and it's already gone downhill who knows what's happening over there so we're gonna say and you know what we can walk to a nice dinner now we can just go downstairs walk out we don't have to get a uber or whatever so it's you know the proximity is nice but um but yeah man i've enjoyed it today from live from uh madison wisconsin (laughs) i'm sorry that's where i landed i'm in the wisconsin dells now wisconsin dells so uh Hopefully, you know, this came through okay, uh, and everybody uh, could hear me and everything like that, but um, I enjoyed it. Bo, did you have anything else for today? No, man, I think that's just about it. Um, looking forward to ja- uh, to the Japanese GP this weekend and then get back at it next week. Um, yeah, I, what about you? I, I, think, I, think I'm, I think I'm good. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm really looking forward to it. I, um, I lo- I, man, I just love motorcycle racing. I love autos. You know. It's funny you say that. Like, I, I've 
had a couple people come up to me you know, we had the bikes sitting in the garage and stuff and they come up and people that walk by like oh my gosh those are you know those are nice bikes and to me i'm looking at them they look like hammered dog crap right because they've I've still got to do right. finish the body work on the triumph and get it squared away and and get it ready for the track for for next season but uh no I and mean, it's it's i miss it i miss riding i miss being able to go out and i mean at this point i would be happy um just turning laps in novice class and just being able to be on a bike again i don't care about i don't care about going fast i don't care about lap times i just i just want to be on the bike again I, I just i miss it i get that i totally get that um but you know i don't know i may have to now that i'm an actual captain novice i might have to be on the sea being a salty sea dog so and I, I don't know you, what to tell you, buddy. It's the perfect name for that's a the, boat, Captain it Novice. It is. Captain Novice. So, or you could call you it know. Parked in Bay 1. I, I mean, you never know. Ooh, Parked, parked in, in one. Bay 1. Parked in Port 1. Parked in Slip 1. Ooh, Parked in Slip 1. You know, I think the America's Cup is definitely next for me. I think that's definitely where I'm going. You're going to partake? I, I think, yeah, I think that's what it is. Like, I like the way those guys are running around full speed and just jumping into nets and you haven't ran and hanging since off the boat. 1997. That's true. No, I ran one time. Like somebody was chasing me with something. You were trying to catch a little Debbie truck. That's the only reason you ran. Boom, boom. Bo's got the, the jokes, everybody. Hey, Bo's got the jokes. Bo's got the jokes. But uh, yeah, man. Well, you know, I've had fun today. Let's. Uh, I guess we'll wrap it up to everybody out there. I know there's a lot of. Uh, riding going on this weekend should be beautiful weather for some of you hey keep that shiny side up that rubber side down stay safe out there but uh, other than that i am jason aka captain novice on land and sea now with my man Bo. we'll see you next time <laughs> have a good one guys <laughs>